Welcome to the official podcast of North Park Church. Today we are in week two of our current message series entitled Crossroads. So many times in life we wish we had an instruction manual on telling us what to do or where to go, or we don't have one that's word for word, but we do have the Bible and so much from the Lord that helps us know the right path to take. Today we're going to talk about the way to forgiveness. We pray that this message challenges you and encourages you as you continue in your journey to become a lifelong follower of Jesus. Hey, let's pray together as we dive into the Word today. Father, we thank you so much for your Word. May it be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Teach us today. Lord, Holy Spirit, open our minds and our hearts to hear what you have for us today. God, help us to apply your Word Today, Jesus, Lord, I pray for inspiration from your word. I pray revelation of your spirit. And we're going to be quick to give you praise, honor, and glory for what you're doing here today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and everybody says amen. Only in North Carolina do you have a week where it sleets and it's 80 in the same week. I hope you've had an incredible week. Um, A little little, um, hands um, claps to our Duke fans. I told I called called it last week, y'all. They're going to win everything from here forward. Um, So y'all made them mad last week, so I told you not to do that. So we're cheering on our Duke fan today. We only have one. Um, But if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to the book of Romans, Um, Romans chapter 5. Um, We're going to be right there in Romans 5, verses 1 through 10. If you have your YouVersion Bible app, all of today's scriptures and notes are going to be there for you. If you go to the menu, go to live events, type in North Park Church, all of today's scriptures and notes are going to be right there for you. We're in a series right now called Crossroads. From this point to Easter, we're going to take this journey to the cross and recognize that the journey to the cross really is the pathway to so many things that we're facing in our life. I don't know if you're a social media person. Uh, I dabble just a little bit. And and there's, there's these trends that you see on Instagram. Some of you are Instagram people. I'm not a TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. See, I'm not a TikTok person, um, but there's this trend on social media, and, and I wanted to show it to you, but I don't even know how to pull that off social media. But, but there's these video clips and this little, this little image or, 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 or song that says, can we skip to the good part? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so basically what it'll be is this, um, this one little... Um, person or this, these people and, and they're maybe in an airport and it'll be this little song, can we skip to the good part? And then all of a sudden, bam, they're not in an airport anymore. They're actually sitting on a beach somewhere, you know? And I like that. Like, I want to do that on, on Sunday morning when we walk in and the stage is empty. It's like, can we skip to the good part? And bam, everybody's worshiping. That'd be a good reel. Y'all should work on that. My social media influencers all sit up front so you can work on that. But then someone came in with, with a revision or, or an adaptation to that trend. And, and oftentimes somebody will stick their hand up to the camera to be like, can we skip to the good part? And they lift their hand away. It's like, bam, right? But, but they did this part and they would be like, can we skip to the good part? And when they pull their hand away, nothing happens. It's the same. And they're like, but I did the hand thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the reality is we can't skip to the good part. 
And it would be wonderful if we could. There's so many different things that happen in life that it would be amazing if we really could skip the good part. We come up to some of these challenges that we face. We come up to some of these hard times that we face, some of these difficult moments of life. And it would be amazing if you could just stick your hand up to the camera and be like, can we skip to the good part? And we just jump over all of those difficult parts of the journey and just get to that good part of life. But the reality is we can't just jump to the good part. We can't experience like all of the amazing things of life without actually walking through some difficult moments of our life. We can't skip to the good part. And it's kind of crazy to think that the cross is this part of the journey that we can't skip. But it's the pathway to the cross that leads us to, to freedom. It's the pathway to the cross that leads us to forgiveness and peace and love and eternal life. And, and we can't skip the cross. And so many people in our life want to do that. Like they want to skip the cross. They, they don't, they don't want to deal with the cross. They don't want to deal with the crucifixion because the reality is that's a very difficult part of the Christian story. That's a very difficult part of the life of Jesus. It's a very difficult part for us to consider. But the reality is we can't skip the cross. And it's crazy to me that the icon of Christianity is a tool that was used for torture. I mean, that's a crazy thing to think about. But the reality is when we think about this cross, when we think about this crucifixion, when we think about this, 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 this sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross, like that's where we find the pathway to our forgiveness. We find the pathway to our peace. We find the pathway to love and eternal life. We find the pathway to forgiveness. And so we can't skip it. Recently, I was talking to a friend, and, and he, made this, he made this statement. And here was the statement he made, and, and it, just, it just resonated so much in my heart. We can't have the glory without the pain. And we want those glorious moments of life. We want those big moments of our life. But the reality is we can't skip those moments like we have to walk through some pain to be able to experience the glory in our life. I would love to be able to never walk into a gym again. I would love to never have to do a workout again. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? I want the results of it, but I don't want the pain of it. I don't want the suffering of it. There was a book that came out a few years ago called Leadership Pain. And the author's name is Sam Chan. And I'll be honest with you, I listened to it um, on Audible. And, and for days, like I listened to him walk through this idea of to be a great leader, you got to walk through some pain. I think it was the most painful book I've ever listened to. It was horrible. And, and here's something that he said. Do you want to be a better leader? Raise the threshold of your pain. Do you want your church to grow or your business to reach higher goals? Reluctance to pain is your greatest limitation. There is no growth. Listen to this. There is no growth without change. There is no change without loss. And there is no loss without pain. And he says the bottom line is, if you're not hurting, then you're not leading. And I'll be honest, when I listened to that and, and I, I read through some of that material, I'm like, I don't even want to be a leader now. I, I don't want to walk through that pain. I forget the glory. I don't, I don't want to walk through the pain. 
And, and, and so for us, if we just want to live life easy, if, if we want it to be hammocks and lemonade all the time, we're probably gonna, not going to reach those heights that we really want to experience. You cannot have the glory without the pain. There's a song that uh, Mike English sang years ago. I used to this song all the time. And, and the title of the song is, There's Not a Crown Without a Cross. There's not a victory without a fight. There's not a sunrise without a night. There's not a purchase without a cost. There's not a crown without a cross. Now I want you to look at Romans chapter 5 for just a second. Romans chapter 5. And we're going to just walk through these verses together. All right. So here's what Romans says. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. And we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop perseverance and endurance. And endurance develops the strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. And now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ. I want you to, if you're a Bible note taker, you got to underline this next part. For Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That's so important. For so many of us, this is like this performance-based Christian thing that if we can do this, that God will love us more. If we can reach this level of Christianity, somehow we'll experience more of God's favor. But look at what it says. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. And then look at verse 10. Um, if I can get it to work. Verse 10 is such a good verse. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Think about those verses. Think about everything that you read in those verses of what God has done for us. But I can tell you for so long in my life, I could not grasp the reality and the depth of those verses. There were these questions that kept popping up in my mind. Questions like, God, have I gone too far? Have I messed up too many times? How much grace are you really willing to forgive me? And is it possible that that grace could ever run out? And the thing is, like, our love for each other is so conditional. I mean, we, we will love each other unless you do something to hurt me. I, I will be with you and, and, until you're not with me, right? Like, we, we talk about this love that we have for one another, and we'll love each other forever. But if something goes wrong, if something goes haywire, if somebody hurts us, like, we are so quick to just close that door on our love. Our love is very conditional. 
But the love of Jesus is unconditional. He doesn't love you if you don't hurt me. I don't love you if you'll do this for me. But God, loves, he says, I'd love you despite whatever you do in, in, in your life. Despite how many choices that you make, like still going to love you. And so for so long, I would almost try to put this conditional human love that we have on the heart of Jesus. And, and really, I had this concept in my mind that somehow that grace was going to run out. And I knew that I could ask, I could pray. And, and, and he said if, that if I would confess my sins, he's faithful and he's just and he would forgive me of sin and cleanse me from unrighteousness. But like, is there a moment that that grace is going to run out? Is there a time when I'm going to get to this part where I'm going to say, hey, Jesus, I need you to wash me. I need you to forgive me. And, and Jesus is going to look at me and go, well, yeah, but, but this is the last time. Like this is the last straw. And one more time, you're completely on your own. I don't know if you've ever thought that, but those questions plagued my mind for so long. Does the grace of God ever run out? And I think the way that we approach God and the view that we have of God is everything. And if you view God in an incorrect way and you approach him in an incorrect way, like I think it really begins to change like everything in your relationship with him. And some of us, we view God as almost this cosmic wizard in the sky that's really powerful, maybe a really powerful version of your fifth grade teacher. And as long as you're good, it's good. But as soon as you step out of line, like, and no offense to our teachers, but like that you're, that sounded, that made our teachers sound really bad. But like, you're just ready to get wiped out. You know what I mean? I had a, had a youth leader one time, he said, I just feel like all the time God's waiting on me to mess up just so he can like stomp me in the ground. Like, like that's the view that he had of God. And if that's the view that you have of God, then you're going to be terrified to come into his presence, right? But the reality is that's not God at all. He's a God of love and he's a God of justice, but he's a God of mercy. And he's not sitting back waiting for you to mess up just so he can take you out. Think about verse 8. While you were yet a sinner... Christ died for you. Even when you were considered an enemy of God, Jesus laid his life down for you. The cross is the pathway to forgiveness, and the cross is the pathway to this incredible relationship with him. I can tell you there's these two words. We're going to look at some words today. There's these two words that I think we use interchangeably, but they're very different. And the word is religion and Christianity. And I think religion is, 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 is a very dangerous term. When somebody asks me, are you a religious person? I'm like, no, I'm not a religious person. I'm a Jesus person. I just love Jesus. And the reason I say religion is dangerous is because religion is what I can do to try to measure up to God. And if I live my life based on religion, I really never know where I stand. I, I, I really don't know the way God views me. And my prayer is always, God, how am I doing? And I lived my life that way for so long. And I would pray that, God, could you just kind of show me how I'm doing here? Like, could you just give me, I need a report card. Like, I would love, like, a midterm report card from God. I just need to know, how am I doing? What needs improvement in my life? What's satisfactory? What's outstanding? But again, what is that? It's this, it's this performance-based Christianity. If I can get these things right, then I can somehow be approved by God. That's religion. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is about what Jesus has already done for us. Think about that. Christianity is about what Jesus has already done for us. 
It's a big day after church today. Pastor Chris is, is doing a, um, a, a, a class over lunch about how to share your story. And, and if you like would love the opportunity to be able to share your story with a friend, like talk to Pastor Chris. There's still room for you to jump in even today. We're going to do that in a few weeks again. But we want to really equip you on how to tell your story. And nobody tells their story of Jesus better than my dad. I love to hear my dad tell his story. And he talked about how before he found Jesus, he would go to the pool hall all the time. And he'd go shoot pool. And, and he'd gamble. And, and he, he was like, kind of like a pool shark. He'd go in and, and, and make some money. And it's funny, he'd take my, little, my, my, my older brother, um, which was his son at the time. Um, he's still my brother and still, I guess, his son. And he would take him in, and, uh, and he, would, he would always tell Ricky, now don't tell mom that we were at the pool hall. And as soon as Ricky would get home, he'd go tell mom we were at the pool hall. Like, that's my dad's story. I love to hear that part of the story. And, and he, he, would always, he always talks about how, like, the moment that he gave his heart to Jesus, he stopped going to that place. And people started asking, where's Bill? Why is Bill not coming around the pool hall anymore? And somebody made the statement, He's not coming because Bill got religion. And my dad always says, and I love when he says this, oh, but Bill got more than religion. Bill got a relationship with Jesus that changed his life forever. There's a difference in religion and Christianity. There's a difference in you trying to do something right to get to God and recognizing what Jesus has already done for you and like receiving that and walking in that relationship. And the moment that you say yes to Jesus, here's what you get. You get an advocate. And if you're a Bible note taker, I want you to write that word down. You get an advocate. The Bible says that he is your advocate. Jesus is your advocate sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for you, going to the Father on your behalf. You have an advocate. But here's what you also have. The opposite of that is you have an accuser. And that accuser is the enemy of your soul waging war against you, making sure that you were defeated and destroyed in every area of your life. So you have an advocate who is Jesus, but you have an accuser who is constantly trying to ridicule you and accuse you of the sin, even in your life that Jesus has already forgiven you of. And one of the things that we need freedom from, we talked about freedom last week, one of the things that we so desperately need freedom from in our life as we follow Jesus is the guilt and shame that is associated with the choices that we make in our life. Now, I recognize when we've done things wrong in our life, when, when we have this conscience and we have this conviction um, that's pointing us to Jesus, that is the Holy Spirit. I mean, there are moments in your life when you just know, I don't have it right, man. i got to get this together. Like, I, I just feel a tug in my heart that's pulling me closer to Jesus. I recognize that these choices that I'm making and this stuff that I'm living in and the way that I'm living my life, it's not healthy. It doesn't glorify God. It's, it, it's, it's completely against everything that I read in God's Word. And all of a sudden, you feel this tug in your heart that's pulling you to Jesus. What is that? That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit draws us into a relationship with Jesus. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus without the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is what draws us into that relationship with him. 
And so when you're outside of that relationship, there is going to be this internal struggle. There is going to be this, this, this guilt. There is going to be this feeling, this, this conviction that's in your heart. I've heard my parents pray it over people. I've had lost loved ones in my life, and I've heard my parents say, God, I pray that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would be so strong in them they can't eat or sleep or do anything without coming to Jesus. Like, that's a strong prayer to pray over somebody. But that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's drawing us closer to this relationship with Jesus, right? Because we have an advocate. But the accuser is very different from that. So yes, there is some guilt associated with the choices that we make because we have a moral compass in our life and it's drawing us back to Jesus. But there's this guilt and shame that the enemy of your soul will like heap upon you. And that's a very different kind of guilt. It's not a conviction that draws you to Jesus. Instead, it's the opposite. It's this idea in your life that I've got so much guilt and so much shame because of the choices in my life. I don't deserve the right to even be in the presence of God. And so what the accuser will do is take that shame and that guilt and the choices that you've made in your life and make you feel that you're unworthy, that you don't belong. Some of you walk in the door of this church and you stand here and you look at people worship and you look at people who are going after Jesus and there's something inside of you going, I don't belong here. I don't belong in a church. I don't belong in a church family. Do you know what that is? That's the adversary. That's the accuser who's using guilt and shame to keep you from this incredible relationship with Jesus. That's what the enemy does. He seeks to kill, to destroy. He wants to kill all those great things in your life, the relationships, the things that are pulling you to Jesus. He wants to use those things in your life to make you feel that you were absolutely nothing and a nobody. And we, we hear words like this in our head. If, if you only knew what was wrong with me. If, if you only knew um, the type of person that I really am. If, if you only knew what I had done. It, it, it's like we're always afraid of being exposed. And you hear this voice in your head that's constantly calling you a coward and constantly calling you a sinner and making you feel like a fool. Like you're constantly hearing those things over and over. What is that? That's the accuser who's doing everything he can to keep you separated and not in relationship with Jesus. But the, here's, the, here's the beautiful thing about it. That Jesus has taken that sin that you feel guilt and shame over. If you've confessed it, and he's cast that sin as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. I mean, think about it. The Bible says that he is faithful and just and will forgive you of sin and cleanse you from unrighteousness. So for the moment that you say, Jesus, I ask you to wash me and cleanse me and set me free from the power of the presence, the penalty of the sin. He does exactly that. He takes all of that sin and he casts it as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. But here's what happens. Even though Jesus has set you free from that sin, here's what we do. We still let the pain, the guilt, and the shame keep us from going forward. And that's not the Holy Spirit. That's the enemy waging war against your soul, trying to do everything he can to keep you separated from God. And see, we hear these voices all the time. Like, we hear these things in our head all of the time. We have to start asking ourselves the question, does this sound like the Holy Spirit? Or does this sound like the accuser? Is this, is this drawing me closer to my relationship with Jesus? Or is this something that the enemy is using to pull me away? 
How do we break free from the guilt and shame? Let me give you two ways. Here's the first thing. You've got to recognize what God has done for you. I mean, Jesus laid his life down on a cross for you. He laid his life down for you. And Jesus, through his sacrifice, has set you free. you got to get this from the, from the power of that sin in your life, from the presence of that sin in your life, and the penalty of that sin in your life. Jesus died on a cross for your freedom, but he didn't die to set you free from a sin in your life only for you to continue to walk with the guilt and the shame associated with that. I mean, some of us, we're, we're on loop on things that we did years ago, and Jesus has forgiven us of something we can't even forgive ourselves from. Some of us are walking with pain and things that Jesus has forgotten long ago, but we can't be free from that. You have to recognize what Jesus has already done in your life. He has set you free from the power, the presence, and the penalty of that sin. Here's your assignment tonight. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to Romans chapter 5. And I want you to just read through verses 1 through 10 and just begin to underline every statement in those 10 verses that, that, that are something that God has done for you. Because in those 10 verses, there's like a laundry list of all of these things that God has done for you. While you were yet still a sinner, God died for you. You underline that. You highlight that. And you recognize everything that God has already done in your life. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about you earning favor and trying to get to this level of Christianity. No, no, no. Christianity is about what Jesus has done for you. Recognize it. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Walk in that freedom. Walk in that freedom. The guilt trip is over. Romans 8 and 1 is a powerful verse of Scripture. That just, it just says this. So now, there is zero, no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. The guilt trip is over. Let me, in, let, me let you in on a little secret. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. We make mistakes every single day. There's not a day that goes by that I don't have to go before the Father and say, Lord Jesus, I pray you would forgive me of sin, that you would wash me, that you would cleanse me. Like every week before I stand on this stage, it's the last thing I pray. God, I pray before I walk up there today, God, wash me. Let nothing hinder what you want to do in my life. Set me free from anything that's getting in the way of you. I do that every single day of my life. Why? Because I am a human being. I am a real man, just like you that are men. <laughs> like we are real people. And we make choices that are wrong. We say things that are wrong. Our temper get like we do things every single day that we need to come before the Father. I heard this lady years ago. She said, I gave my heart to Jesus 30 years ago, and I haven't had to ask Jesus to forgive me of one thing since that time. And I went, you need to ask him for forgiveness from lying because you just lied right there. That was a lie. So you need to pray now. Like every day, every day. But here's the great thing about it. When we pray that prayer, he sets us free from the power of that sin. 
that that sin would have no control over you. The presence of that sin, the penalty of that sin, so that you can walk in forgiveness. But the guilt trip is over. Because when you do that, there is no condemnation. No condemnation. I mean, think about how many people will say things like, I don't want to go to that church. They're judgmental. We say things like that all the time. I feel judged by those people. You know what? The Bible says in Jesus, there is no condemnation. Zero condemnation. You can walk in freedom. The guilt trip is absolutely over. I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't die on a cross and say, okay, like, all right, I've done my part. Now the rest is up to you. I've done my part. Now you got to get it together. You got to figure it out the rest on your own. He didn't say that at all. What did he say? When he gave his life on a cross, here's the words he used. He said, it is finished. Your debt is paid in full. If there's anything over this past couple of years that I've learned, I've learned when Jesus said, I will never leave you and never forsake you, I would be with you to the very ends of the earth. Here's what I learned. He meant that. And for so long in my life, I felt like that phrase was conditional. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. But in my mind, what I hear, what I understand is, yeah, he'll be there as long as I don't screw this up. He'll do that as long as I do my part, right? Like, like if, if I do my part, then the result is going to be he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He'll never leave to the ends of the earth. Like if I do my part, he does his part. That is not how this works. When everything happened with, with, with losing my wife, and, and, and I know Coach Hollis, that just got him right there. And he said, she knows Jesus. We, she, we didn't lose her. We know exactly where she is. Sorry, I corrected myself, Coach Hollis. I, I, like, we know where she is. She's just on the other side, right? But there is loss in our life, right, when we lose loved ones. We don't lose them. We know where they are. That is such a weird, we're going to have to have a conversation. Like, it's a struggle still. But when that happened, like there was so much frustration, there was so much anger. And so what I did was took everything spiritual in my life and I packed it up. Like I packed it up, like I took it all, I packed it up. And it's almost like I took it and I put it in a closet and I shut the door. I didn't turn my back on God. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like lose faith. It was nothing like that. It was just I didn't want anything to do with that right now. And I even, in my mind, in my mind, like in my mind, I even thought, I know there will be a time when I need this again. And I want this again, but right now I'm pretty frustrated. So I'm going to do everything I can to push you away. And so I did. I didn't pray. I didn't read my Bible. Like I, I would occasionally listen to a worship song. I would get up here and, and stumble through words and try to figure it out and get enough of it just to share with you on Sunday. But, it, but Monday through Sunday morning, like before I got, it was just this constant struggle of continuing to just push him away. But then there was a moment where I recognized that, that wasn't working for me. And I hated the way that I felt. 
And I was tired of being angry and I was tired of being frustrated and I was tired of like pushing God away and I recognized that I'm at my best when I'm in relationship with Jesus. And so I made the decision like, okay, like, all right, I gotta go find him again. Like, I've gotta go seek that out. I've gotta work my way back into his graces. I've gotta, I've gotta go earn my favor with God again. Like, I gotta go do all the right things. I gotta pray, I gotta read my Bible, I gotta do all the right things so I can feel like I'm in that relationship with him again. I gotta work my way back up to that place that I was before I begin to push him away. And the moment that I turned, I ran into him. I didn't have to go look for him. I didn't have to earn my way back to him. I didn't have to check off a bunch of stuff to get him to come back into my life. Literally, I pushed him as far away as I possibly could. But when I turned to run to him, I ran into him. I didn't run to him. I ran into him. Why? Because he was there the entire time. When he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I'll be with you to the very ends of the earth, he is right there with you just as close as the mention of his name. And so no matter what you've done, no matter how many choices that you've made, no matter how many people you feel like you've let down, no matter how much you feel like you've let yourself down, no matter how long you've run, no matter how far you've run, when you begin to go back to him, you're not going to run after him, you're going to run into him. Because he's right there with open arms, ready to love on you and walk in the relationship with you that he so desperately wants you to walk into. And so my prayer is today that whatever guilt that you're carrying, whatever shame that you're carrying, no matter how far you've run, no matter how hard you've pushed him away, that you would truly right now in this moment discover who Jesus is at your deepest point of need. You've heard me say it over and over and over. You don't know he's a healer until you need healing. You don't know who he is as a provider until you need provision. And the first time in my life, I recognized who he is as a savior because I needed saving. So who do you need to discover today? What do you need Jesus to be in your life? Because he is all of that and so much more. Would you stand with me right now? Jesus, we love you. And we thank you that you are just as close as the mention of your name. And I pray if there is someone today who's been running from you and they've allowed the guilt and the shame in their life, the accuser to keep them from you, they've been hearing what a loser they are, how bad they've messed up, how much they've failed. Lord, I pray that today, even with all of that, they would recognize that is all things the enemy is using to keep them from the good things of their life. And even though we've had to walk through some stuff, Lord, help us to recognize that the cross is our pathway to forgiveness. The cross is our pathway to freedom. The cross is our pathway to an incredible relationship with you. And I pray if there's someone here today that doesn't have that relationship that they would say, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need your grace. I ask you to wash me and cleanse me and set me free and give me strength to live this life for you. 
Lord, there is no greater decision that we can make today than that decision. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we bring our guilt and our shame and we lay it at your feet, that we would truly let it go today. That we would lay it down on an altar and we would walk out of this place different than the way we walked in. Lord, we don't have to leave here the way we came. We may have walked in bound, oppressed, tormented, sick, and even lame. But through the power of your Holy Spirit, we can walk out of this place today free from those things because of your sacrifice, Lord Jesus. So set us free from the power, the presence, and the penalty of the sin. And help us to understand and live in the freedom. The guilt trip is over. Let us walk in the freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.